Welcome back to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. This is episode number 433. Uh, this is Tim Maluli filling in for Casey as the host this week. Uh, Tom is here with me. Tom, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Uh, so we have an article here that we want to talk about. Uh, it's from the Wall Street Journal. It's actually pretty interesting because it came from two people that, that work for the Wall Street Journal. They're, they're editors there. They've recently retired. They've kind of hit a little bit of a bumpy patch in terms of agreeing on how to spend their money or how much to spend their money. Uh, one One seems to be okay with spending money and the other one it has a, a little bit of reservations they're getting kind of cold feet in terms of following their their plan we thought uh, this would be a good a, a good topic to talk about because we do have a lot of clients who are going through this transition phase tends to be a problem that people don't really anticipate when they get to retirement you get so hardwired throughout your life when you're earning money to save, save, save. Um, you know, don't don't spend too much money. You want to put as much away as possible, and then you get to retirement, and you kind of have to flip the switch and learn how to spend down all of that money that you've been saving. And it's kind of unnatural for people sometimes. I think that it's a very hard transition for people. Thirty-five, forty years in the making where you have been focused on just saving money, keeping your expenses, keeping your costs down, and now you're going to do the exact opposite. And on on top of saying, okay, we can spend a little more time, we can travel more than we used to, we can spend a few bucks, but we have no paycheck coming in. This is frightening for a lot of people and a lot of I mean I'm not talking about like you know someone who just lucked into a couple of million bucks these are people who are executives and now faced with this big transition it's not easy yeah I mean it's something that neither person within the relationship has experienced before and you can plan as much as you want beforehand until you know, you're blue in the face, but until you actually start to live in that world that you've planned out on paper and spreadsheets and you know the whole nine yards, until you start to experience that in person, um, you don't really know how you're going to react. So people might be on the same page financially as they're saving money, but then the relationship changes when you have to start spending it down and you know, one person seems to be more okay with the plans that they laid out, and the other person is just, in general, more nervous and unsure, even though they did the planning work. Yeah. The thrust of the article, and we'll link to it in the show notes, was that if you're not on the same page when it comes to how you're going to spend money in retirement, it can make it a little awkward and a little difficult in terms of your relationship. So think about that. You know, in addition to worrying about running out of money or not worrying, now you've also got a partner that may not be on the same page with you. Like this could just really spiral out of control. And what really triggered all of this, kitchen cabinets. Yeah, it could start with something as, as little as that and then 
a disagreement happens, and then as you dig deeper, you, f you find out that it's rooted in some really uh, deep concerns that kind of stem to spending in general, yeah. not just, it's not about these specific cabinets, whether you do or don't think you need them. It, it's more uh, conceptual, I guess, how you feel deep down on a, on a, on a deeper level. Yeah, that's, that's the kitchen cabinets really triggered this conversation, but it was interesting how uh, the husband in this couple uh, just blurted right out, hey, we can't afford it. And the wife said, hey, you know, I thought we would do a little more entertaining. Most of the time when we have friends over, we spend more time in the kitchen gabbing. Um, you know, the kitchen cabinets look kind of shabby. They, they were here when we moved in 34 years ago, and we haven't done anything to it. It actually kind of sounds like my home. Right. So, um, but yeah, this is, these are things that and it was part of their plan it was yeah. so that's the thing I, I you know as you start reading this article and you you know you you, th you hear that people aren't on the same page it's like well have they have they done the planning work have they actually laid out run the numbers to make sure that they aren't going to outlive their money and they have yeah um so obviously before you can get on the same page with stuff like that, having having that plan and talking to a financial planner and running retirement projections and doing the best you can to plan beforehand, uh, that should be reassuring for a lot of people. Obviously, in this case, it was reassuring for the wife in this scenario, but not necessarily the husband. Um, I don't know what that says about you know, male-female financial dynamics. Uh, I feel like the you always hear that women tend to be more more uh, cautious and conservative. Ca yeah, and, but also like logical when it comes to financial decisions. Where guys are just like, we can't afford it, or you know, we got to spend money on this. That, more emotionally dr driven. <laughs> that's actually playing out in this article. Too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's a dynamic that they didn't really talk about that in the article, but no. I. I it, it kind of crept into my mind as I was reading this. Like yeah. the the wife knows that they did the planning work. They did everything they could. Their planner says like, you guys are fine. Yeah. Just relax. It's it, We are not going to wave off or dismiss the uh, sticker shock that you have when yeah. you have a huge car repair or you have to get a new car mm -hmm. or you have to get kitchen cabinets uh, or... You've got a big medical expense. I mean, these things are eye-popping today. We, yeah. we know it. Yeah. And so it's a good idea to run through these what-if scenarios with your planner and go through what could go wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly, I think that's just a good experiment anyway. What, what, could, what could the numbers look like right. if inflation continues to stay high? Right. What would the numbers look like if one of us needs a lot of medical care in the future? Yeah. What if we want to travel between 65 and 75? What would the numbers look like? Yeah. You know, we're going to need a new car every so often, you know? Yeah. So it's an important part of the, of the planning process to think through as many different what ifs as possible. I mean, we've done planning work here for, for people, um, that have been like, when does this plan break? At what point do the numbers break? And I think that that's, uh, sometimes it's a helpful 
scenario to run, uh, not not condoning, you know, the the spending up until that limit, not saying like, hey, you can spend this amount, but it's like, here's where the numbers break. It could also offer some sort of reassurance that if your numbers fall somewhere below that, that it gives you a, a little bit of peace of mind. I was just going to bring up that phrase, peace of mind, yeah. because we have heard more than a few clients say that they have a greater peace of mind after going through this experience with us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, super important to to go through that before you make the retirement decisions. But like I said, it's it's you don't know how you're going to react. You can kind of project how how you might view retirement in general um, and, and on paper it looks good and it sounds good and it feels good but then when you actually get to it watching that bank account number your your total asset number go the opposite direction that you're used to it going and you know that the salary isn't coming in anymore it can be unnerving so it's you know I think it's okay initially to maybe have a little freak out uh, but not to let it linger and, and communicate that with your partner, your husband or wife. Or to change the dimensions of your... Right, you, you can know, make adjustments your, along plan. the way. You're right. not locked into any set lifestyle or any set of of specific numbers. You know, things change along the way. That's why we tell folks all the time that it's retirement is a process. It's not an event. It's very important to remember because I think... You know, when we go through our process here, we start with what do your expenses look like today? Right. And that's a good starting point. But it just then leads into, okay, what do we want these numbers to look like in five years? Right. What do we want them to look like over the next 10 years? Not 10 years from now, but over the next 10 years. What could happen? Yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah. You know, what, what kind of things are we not thinking about and yeah. there's we've met with a lot of people who say our expenses every month are this like we've got a fixed number we know our numbers we're really good but then they they don't factor in things like oh yeah next year we're going to um we're going to be participating in a wedding at a you know some destination place or we're going to be going to hawaii or oh yeah you know, in three years, I'm going to need a new car. Yeah. That's either going to be a lump sum of money coming out of the plan or a new monthly payment. Yeah. Yeah. I think another part of this too, that, um, kind of, kind of made me sad for these people a little bit is that, you know, they have this relationship with their financial planner and they've done all the work and they've done pretty much everything that we've talked about up until this point. And the husband still is just, for some reason, he, he just, it's not that, I don't know if maybe he doesn't trust the, the person or, but he's just doubting in nature that this is going to work out, even though everything points to the contrary, that they're going to be fine. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people have that deep rooted insecurity that, that they're not going to be okay, even though all of the work and they've done everything right up until this point, everything says the opposite. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know where that comes from for, for, for cer certain people, but uh, it's it's a shame when you see that because it's like, what else could we do to help reassure you that you're going to be okay? Yeah. Um, you can only do so much at, at a certain point. You know, they they kind of just need to take that leap of faith or, or do the work on their end to be okay with what the plan says. Unless something really crazy happens over the next few years in the economy, I think... Uh, the mindset of people who grew up during the depression mm -hmm. is going to just become a memory yeah. uh, for people. I mean, my parents grew up in the depression. Yeah. You know, my dad was born in 1925. My mom was born in 1931. Right. And so they grew up, everybody was in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, and we're getting further and further away from that now. Yeah. And so uh, when you talk about the depression, it's just what people know from reading books. It's not from a parent or a grandparent telling them, oh, yeah, you know, we used to burn potatoes in a hole in the ground. Like, that's how we ate. Right. Or, you know, my dad was out of work for three years, yeah. uh, you know, until he found a job with the railroad. Yeah. So these are these are stories that, are fading away and I think people kind of lose their perspective but for now the folks that are retiring in 2023 2024 these are still fresh in people's minds yeah. even you know almost 100 years after the depression they can still remember parents or grandparents talking about what life was like back then and so now it is frightening yeah we're here to tell you that that feeling is natural. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have that anxiety that they can't really seem to get rid of. Um, I think it speaks to having an open line of communication and, and building a good relationship with the planner that you're working with. Um, because, you know, in this article, they, uh, one of the things that helps the husband relaxes. The wife always asks him, like, what would their plan? I think the planner's name is Michael. Right. Uh, what What would Michael say? And yeah. then he's like, Michael would say that we're fine. And yeah. it's like, okay. Yeah. You know, just being able to go back to the drawing board or ask questions to their planner after the fact. Could yeah. It could help a lot of people relax a little bit. And um, once you experience a few years of retirement, you'll probably hopefully most likely shake some of that worry. Um, I'm sure it won't entirely go away, but, uh, yeah, that, that first year or so tends to be pretty difficult for a lot of people if they're not used to spending money without making money. Right. This guy, um, uh, in the article, I think they were on a bike trip and yeah. they hopped on a zoom call, right. Uh, from out West. Yeah. Uh, just to, get their minds at ease. Yeah. What I, I think what certainly uh, probably rattles people even more is seeing, you know, maybe not the money in the bank going down, but the investments behind it at a brokerage account or retirement account going up and down. We've seen a lot more volatility yeah. uh, in recent years than we have uh, before that. And so I think that's a little unsettling for people to see their balances going up and down, but talk a little bit about how we plan, you know, what their situation should look like. 
Yeah. This is kind of it along the, the lines of helping people, uh, hel- helping people put their minds at ease. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, if there's serious anxiety happening about the investments, there might not have been good enough communication uh, about the investment strategy or how things are aligned or, or maybe they're not aligned properly. Um, typically, when, when we do, you know, investments in retirement for people, you know, we have, we have money that's going to grow for them in the stock market, but we also, you know, identify what they're going to need over the next year, two, three, have that set aside in fixed income, short intermediate term bonds that aren't swinging sometimes wildly with the stock market. So you have money in the stock market that's going to grow over the long time, over the long term. You know, you, you give it years and years. Historically, you're going to do pretty well in stocks and the, the money's going to continue to grow. But that money that you need over the short term while the market is experiencing potentially a downturn like it did last year, you know, you're, you're not pulling from those investments while the market is down. You're pulling from the short term bond funds that we have for folks. So it helps people or we we hope that it helps people be at ease more so with their accounts because they know that the money that they need to live and sustain their lifestyle is safe and it's not at full risk in the stock market. So um, finding that proper allocation and having enough money set aside, finding out what their needs are on an annual basis, all of that really builds into finding that right investment allocation for them in retirement. It's so it's so critical identifying what uh, clients are going to need over the short term, yeah. and the short term being over the next twelve months, and then over the next year to two years, three years, and placing money in each of these buckets, yeah. and say, okay, we've got money in the bank. That's our short term, near term bucket. When that gets depleted, we're going to take the money that's in short term stuff, and we're going to plow that into the bank. And that'll cover the next year, two, three years. Then we've got longer term money that's invested. We know that, hey, if we have a bad year in the market, usually followed by a better year. So we want to give the, the, the bucket for long term growth a little longer runway to work out. And so you're not pulling assets out of you know, a market that's down 25%. Yeah, I think that's why we stress the importance of the cash flow building process in our process when we get started with people. You know, sometimes it, it might seem like, well, why why do I need to do this? Why do you know why do I need to build out a cash flow like that's not specifically like what I'm looking for? And we have to communicate with people like we're trying to eventually get to this investment allocation for you in retirement. It starts with the cash flow because we need to know what your expenses are because that's what you're going to project to need and that's how much we're going to have to project to keep in uh, short and intermediate term bond funds within the investment allocation. So it all works together. Uh, and I think when you explain it to people that way, they tend to get it. Uh, it, it makes logical sense and it, you know, it definitely helps people be more okay with letting the stock market do, do its thing. Just one closing note that I'm I'm going to circle back to what you said earlier, Tim, is that 
planning is a process. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing process. It's not something that you do one time, set it and forget it. Right. And so it's important to develop a relationship with your financial planner and they can better understand what's happening in your life. And also, not that we're psychiatrists, but we want to gauge your emotional ties to money yeah. and volatility. Yeah. It's important. Yeah, they definitely all work together there. Um, So that's going to do it for this episode of the Maluli Asset Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.